The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hello and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast, your go-to source for all things movies. And I am your host, Movie Mike, a.k.a. Mike Distro. Very special episode for you today. I'm joined by Matthew Lund. He is a former Pixar story artist and animator. He's the story guy behind Pixar movies like Toy Story, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, Up, Cars, Monsters University, Ratatouille, so many more movies. And we're going to break down all the emotional moments from these Pixar movies because that's what Pixar movies do. They make you feel and they make you cry. If you love Pixar, you'll really enjoy this conversation. We'll get into a movie review later with my wife, Kelsey, of The Kissing Booth 3. Appreciate you listening to the podcast every single week, being subscribed. Without any further ado, let's get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I'm joined now by Matthew Lund. He is a former Pixar story artist and animator. He's the guy behind movies like the Toy Story films, Monsters, Inc. Wearing his Monsters, Inc. hat right now, actually. Finding Nemo up. All these movies that just make us feel all of these emotions. And that was kind of your job, right? Oh, yeah. Still is, but yes, it was for for over 10 films at Pixar. 10 films. That's a lot of movies. Yeah. So what I wanted to do is I put together a list of the five times you've really made me feel things in the Pixar movies you've worked through. And just kind of go through some of these of the stories behind how these moments came to be. And just what's kind of the process of making people feel these emotions for these animated characters? Absolutely. This sounds fun to me. All right. So let's start first at the very beginning, the first Pixar movie, Toy Story. And I think just the overall premise of Toy Story, it's these toys that when nobody's around, they come to life. And being able to take that and create this kind of connection with the audience of like, oh, I identify with these, you know, these characters now. And it's that moment for me whenever Woody gets replaced and you see all the Woody posters come down 
and the Buzz Lightyear stuff go up that I, as a kid, felt like, man, I really feel for Woody right now. What was the kind of idea behind that? Well, you know what? I I haven't been asked that before, but that is a very good question. Just for anybody out there that doesn't know, there are four of these story, Toy Story films. I've worked on all of them. And one of the secrets to why these stories all work, because seldom do sequels work, is because we kept going back to Woody's greatest fear, which is being abandoned. Now, that is a universal theme that all people fear in life, all ages, all genders, all cultures. We all fear being replaced. We fear getting old, not loved anymore. Um, it's that fear of abandonment. And it really strikes a chord in the audience in Toy Story because it's something we can all relate to. And that's one of those things you want in a story. You want it to be relatable and connect with an audience, even if the characters are toys, rats, cars, robots, whatever. So that is the reason why that made such an impact on audiences um, uh, was because of Woody's fear of being abandoned. And how did the idea of Woody like become like, okay, we're going to kind of base it around Woody? Like, why, why was it a cowboy? Why was he going to be the leader? Well, that's, that's a, another great question. You know, at first he was going to be a ventriloquist doll. You know, one of those puppets that you put your hand in yeah. and you kind of operate the mouth. They look creepy, like the Goosebumps kind of, uh, you know, character TV show, um, which first off is really creepy. Uh, people make a decision within the first couple of seconds whether they like a character. And if your main character is a ventriloquist doll, that's bad. <laughs> so really it turned into, <clears throat> we knew it was going to be a buddy story. And usually in a buddy story, two characters in the beginning don't like each other, but then they become best friends at the end. And it's always nice when not only do the characters not blend together because of their personalities, but also because of their physical appearance. And there was nothing better than to do kind of the future and the past stuck together a cowboy and a spaceman. And so that was, that was really the idea. And then also, um, you know, the whole idea for toy story really starts years before with the animated short, um, that was called, um, <clears throat> knickknack. The one with the little toy that is the, that has the symbols yes. and the drums and stuff. The very first toy story, he, the idea it was that guy was going to be the main character. It was going to always be a toy, but then it evolved into being Woody the cowboy because of the buddy story, two characters stuck together that are completely different. So but that was the origin of all of it. And did the idea of the story go back to you as a kid working in a toy store, your, your parents' toy store, like being around that? Well, when I came, when I came in on toy story, Many years ago, <laughs> I was only like 21 years old. Wow. So this, this was really my second job in animation. Um, but I came in as one of the first 12 animators on Toy Story. I was able to give story input, but um, as an animator, you are usually focusing on animating shots instead of writing or doing storyboards. So, yes, I did grow up in a family that owns toy stores and still do. 
But my main job was to bring the characters to life um, and animate them. It wasn't until Toy Story 2, 3, and 4 that I worked as, you know, one of the, the people who writes the story and comes up with the plot and all that stuff. So that's kind of my journey through that Toy Story saga. Next up on my list, I have Finding Nemo, which yeah. very opening of the movie, a parent is killed off immediately. Was that ever an idea of like, man, maybe this is a too, too heavy of a thing for kids. Like, can we really do this and pull this off? Yeah, you know, um, you would be surprised how many kid films, how many animated or live action or children's books for kids start off with the kid being a um, an orphan or their parents are killed off or one of them. It's 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 a surefire way to get the audience to have empathy for the main character because. If the character's an orphan or their parent just died, you are immediately like, oh my gosh, I totally care for this kid. So when you watch, you watch so many of the Pixar films, and even if you go through all those like raw doll stories, like James and the Giant Peach and, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, raw doll, he always had, you know, parents dead or dying in the beginning to be able to get the audience to root for the, for the main character. And then when you look at Toy Story or a lot of the other Pixar films, there is, um, it's pretty consistent that there's only one parent or both parents uh, are disposed of. The lack of parents so. that kind of, kind of shine sometimes, like, all right, I'm into this now. You know, I got to tell you, one of the reasons why we also do that, and, you know, it's not just Pixar. You know, you look at Frozen, they wiped out the parents before, right? It's a great way to just get empathy for the main character. And that's basically what I want to say. The next movie I have up is Toy Story 2. And it's the moment, again, going back to the abandonment thing, when Jesse gets abandoned, you learn about her. And yes. it pairs perfectly well with the Sarah McLaughlin song. Like, what oh, moment came God. Was the yes. song already, like, are we already going to have this song no, for the movie or the moment? That was a sequence that was a last minute decision on the film. We had worked on, I had worked on Toy Story 2 for almost three years and it took so many different story iterations. But one of the things that was a real pivotal moment for us in the story was when we decided that Jesse, Jesse has gone through this before. She's been abandoned by a kid and we don't want her just to talk about it. We feel that it would be great to see it in a flashback. And the song was written by Randy Newman, who, you know, wrote most of the Pixar stuff and he was going to sing it. Oh, really? Um, yeah. You know, but it was just the perfect move for when, uh, you know, it would fit better to, to have a female voice for Jesse singing. But man, that is a tearjerker. Even for me, who worked on that. It gets me too. When somebody loved me, everything was beautiful. Every hour we spent together lives within my heart. One of my favorite parts of that movie is whenever they're having to cross the street and oh. they take the traffic cones and hide underneath them. Is that just a thing of like, all right, what's the most entertaining way they could get across the street? Like, is there different pitches for that? Well, oh, you know, that that was uh, that was my idea. OK. And so my my assignment from the director was essentially we need to get these toys across the street somehow to Alice Toy Barn. How are we going to do it? 
And I sat down and I kind of drew up ideas. And then I finally said, you know what? I need to just go to a freeway. I need to pull my car to the side of the street of us cars driving by me. And I just need to look around at what is around me and say, if I was a toy, what would I use? And just by chance that day, there was like a men at work kind of orange sign and orange pylon cones and stuff. And I was like, I would totally hide under that orange cone (laughs) and I'd sneak across. And then if a car got close to me, maybe they would just weave around me. And so on Twitter just recently, uh, uh, I, I put the first drawing I had done that I showed the director that made him go, okay, we're doing that. So that was, that was how that idea came about. So when you see something like that, do you immediately start making a sketch or do you just make a note of it? Or how, how does that come to, together? I, I remember I did um, uh, bring my uh, sketchbook in the car and I went right back into the car and I did that sketch and, I, and, I, and that was the one that, that kind of created what that whole scene was going to be about. I know that Toy Story 2 was almost deleted, right? It was. How, how did it that was. affect your job? Like when you heard about that, like what, what went on in your world? Well, this was the first film. Toy Story 2 was the first film that I was going to be, that I got moved into a story artist role. So this was my first time working as doing writing and storyboarding. And at first, Toy Story 2 was going to be direct to video way back when, when the Disney company was putting out like Return of Jafar and Lady the Tramp 2 and stuff. They were just making these really quick sequels to animated films that you would basically buy this VHS tape at like a grocery store. And at the time, we kind of said, oh, we'll just do what the Disney does and we'll make a sequel to Toy Story that way. But the story kept getting better. And once we were finished with Bugs Life, that's when we really stepped back and said, you know, People still love those Toy Story characters. We cannot just be putting out something that's just going to be sold in the grocery store. This has got to be good. So then they put more money into it, gave us another year. And then we ended up really um, expanding that, that, that world and that story. And I'm so happy we did because it, if, if we wouldn't have made it, um, yeah, I may have been out of a job. Um, <laughs> But, but also what it sucked because, you know, people love those Toy Story characters and that, that world. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robey, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery. But that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily, as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she? as my father believed, a witch. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I want to move on now to Up. Again, first 10 minutes yeah. of the movie. You learn all about Ellie and Carl. And not only that, but it's all, there's not a whole, there's not dialogue. It's all just through the images through what we see from them losing the baby to ultimately losing her. Like, how did that come together? <laughs> well, you know, first off, I would say that when I'm making a film, and this is one of the things I learned early on when I was at film school, you need to always be able to understand what's going on in a movie with the volume off. You should always be able to turn the volume off in a movie and be able to tell what's going on through the visual storytelling. So... To be able to pull off 10 minutes with just music, some sound effects, no dialogue, and visuals that bring people to tears, it's not easy, but it is possible. But one of the things that, that really made that work is many iterations. You know, if you ever watch a Jackie Chan movie, and I love Jackie Chan movies, he is like, you know, you'll see him jump up, do a spin kick. He'll kick some, you know, some cup out of somebody's hand that goes and knocks another person out. And there's no special effects. He just did it. But, you know, he did 100 tries before they caught on camera that final one. But when people watch the film, they go, wow, he's amazing. <laughs> but it's the same thing in animation and film. We do so many iterations till we get the best version. And then that's what you get to see in the end. And so... You know, it was a little bit of a risk also of having something so emotional in the beginning of the film. Would people be into it? But, you know, it hooked people so much that they couldn't stop watching that film after the first 10 minutes. So, and it's, and I'm, I, I got to work on the movie up as a story person and uh, I'm very proud of that film as well. Yeah, I think out of every Pixar film, that is my favorite opening. It just still gets me every single time. It is great. The last one I want to talk to you about is Toy Story 3. The most emotional I've ever felt <laughs> watching an animated movie. The scene where you think everybody's going to die, going into the incinerator. Yeah. Like, how do you get to that level of like, okay, we're going for it here? I know. Well, you know, it, I think even in the very beginning when we started pitching around this idea, we knew that there needed to be this, they're, they're going to be so close to death moment. 
But when I got the assignment from the director of what that was going to look like, before we do the storyboards, we do things called beat boards, which is kind of like, what are those key images going to be? Now, I had never been to a garbage dump or a incinerator. And um, I saw a few images online, but there's not a lot of photos of what the inside of a garbage dump looks like. So I had to make a lot of this stuff up. And, um, you know, I, I did these key images. I put them up on, on, on Instagram and Twitter just recently. But those were the images that were the, the, the key inspiration visuals for what that moment was going to look like. But I got to tell you, the thing that I remember in this one meeting that I brought up that I'm so happy we stuck with was that when they're all ready to die in the incinerator, there was going to be a moment where someone just kind of finds a lever and switches it off and it stops, but it felt so anticlimactic. And in those images I'd looked at in the incinerator, there was a claw, those claw mm-hmm. things that grab metal at garbage dumps. And I was like, what if those aliens, they had used that giant claw and it was reminiscent of the claw. And Back to the we first one. With, <laughs> and it was such a, you know, it's such a good feeling when you see people near death and then like the heavens open up and it's like, ah, <laughs> and they get pulled out. It was so great. You know, Woody, look, I can see daylight. We're going to be okay. <laughs> hey. I don't think that's daylight. So when you're working on a scene like that and you're spending hours, days, like, how do you know that it's still an emotional moment? You've just been looking at it for so long. You're like, is this even still good anymore? That is a very good question. Uh, What I have learned to do is that whenever I'm seeing current edits or current iterations of uh, a sequence or the film as a whole, I always take notes. So like today... Fridays is the day that I see the most current pass of edit of the the short film I'm directing right now. And I take notes every Friday so I can look back at them and always remind myself, like, did I think that was a funny joke? Did I think that was a sad moment? Because, you know, you end up after a while forgetting um, that that is a great sad moment and then you change it. So you need to really think about that moment, just like you're having a filmmaking diary and write it down. So you, you don't, you don't trick yourself into thinking it was, it's not funny or emotional anymore. And you remove it. A lot of people fall into that mistake. So yeah, that's what, that's my kind of method of not losing it. So you're working on a short film now. When can we expect to see that? That's going to come out October 31st and um, it's going to come out October 31st because this, um, I love all the films I've worked on. Um, and I'm so happy that they've been able to connect with just a, such a wide audience from like, you know, three years old till a hundred years old. The one I'm working on right now is I would say, well, it all depends on the parents, but it's more falls in the realm of a gremlins Mm -hmm. or, um, kind of audience. So it is going to be very funny but there is still going to be um, a little bit more uh, scary things in it. So, um, but it's very, all the designs are very cartoony. It's still fun, but there is some depth. So, <laughs> <laughs> so when you work on a, on a short film, what, what comes first? Is it the title? Is it the story or is it the characters? 
for me, um, I had a set of characters that um, I was looking to make a TV show with at one point. And um, it just wasn't clicking and I wasn't getting a response from a lot of people. And so then I decided to age it up a bit and also think about it uh, if it could fit into a short form or a full length film form. And this is a really great piece of advice that I've learned along the way is that you may have a great story, but it may not be great as a 90 minute film or as a 15 minute short. It may be really great as just like a Saturday night live skit. So you may have a great story, but you always need to ask yourself, what is the perfect time duration for it? And for this short called Sprite Fright, the perfect length for it was that 10 minutes. It was just enough so it doesn't get too long or boring and not too short that it's too confusing. And, um, but for me, this particular one started off with the characters. And so I, I won't give too much away of it, but as a kid growing up as in a toy store, having whatever toys I wanted, my favorite toys were the Smurfs. <laughs> they were the Smurfs. And then when I got a little bit older and things like Gremlins came out and Evil Dead and I was, you know, seeing movies like American Werewolf in London, I definitely liked the creepiness of those films, but that they were still funny. And so my short film is a combination of kind of like this world of cute, lovable type smirks um, kind of doused with some creepiness. We'll look forward to That's seeing that. Idea. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm a huge Simpsons fan and you animated on some of my favorite episodes from season oh. four. Like I was actually just watching Camp Krusty last night. Oh yeah. So awesome. I love that episode too. <laughs> who was the hardest character to animate when you did that? Mm. You know, I would say that when I came into the Simpsons, that was my first animation job. I was 19 years old, which is crazy. But the the family of all the family they were all they didn't give me too much trouble drawing bart and homer and lisa and marge and um maggie i think it was later on some of the other characters would get a little more challenging but but i think being that the style was cartoony and it and it was very you know that style was set up by Matt Groening the creator but the challenging thing was when you got a shot to animate and you had something like 100 characters in it and so i remember one of the first shots i got well one of those that was a difficult one was there was an episode with magic johnson in it mm -hmm. and i had to animate not just Magic Johnson and these cheerleaders and, and there's these doctors that come in to, to help him, but there's also the whole crowd yeah. in the background <laughs> in the seats. And, you know, I had to animate 25 shots a week do this character layout of them. And when you have a shot with that many characters, oh my gosh. It'd take forever. That would, <laughs> yeah, it would take forever. But no, it was such an awesome experience. It was before, you know, we were um, animating on computers. So everything was paper, um, very much like the traditional way that we would animate. Um, animators would animate all the way back to Snow White. So it was paper, pencil, light table. So I'm happy I got to, to do that before everything transi transitioned over to uh, CG. I have one final question for you. And sure. In recent years, you know, Disney has gone and taken their biggest movies and made them live action movies. 
if Pixar yeah. were to get that same kind of treatment <laughs> of the films you worked on, which do you think would translate the best? Oh my gosh. Oh, you know, I guess one day this will happen. Uh, so I would say, um, gosh, I, I kind of don't want it to happen to any of them, <laughs> but I would say the one that I think would, would be most interesting, I think would probably be the Incredibles. I could see that working with the Incredibles. Um, and, uh, that, that's, that's the one that I think I would be into seeing with live action. I think that would, that would probably translate the best. Just a super big superhero movie. <laughs> it is. It is. It, it could work. Um, but you know, there's something about the appeal of those character designs in the Pixar films and that get a little bit lost when it moves into a live action world. And so, you know, but obviously I worked on these. I, I don't want them to. <laughs> I, I agree with you. It's the heart of the animation. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Incredibles would be my choice. Well, uh, Matthew, appreciate the time. Everybody listening, if you want to go follow him on Twitter, he's a great follow at Matthew Lunn. That's L-U-H-N. Really appreciate the time. I felt like I learned so much and it was just great to learn cool. how these movies were made. Hey, well, thanks for loving these films and um, and thanks for everybody else out there for loving those, those films that I've worked on. Thanks. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Okay. All bye. Right. Thank you. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery. But that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily. As I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she as my father believed, a witch. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
joined now by my wife, Kelsey. How are you today? I'm good. We're about to talk about the trilogy that nobody ever wanted or asked for. Yeah, I was going to say that was how you described it. The Kissing Booth 3 came out on Netflix. We've seen one and two. And for some reason, we were kind of excited about this. Yeah, it was just because two kind of left it so open-ended. I just needed some closure. So if you haven't seen the trailer for this yet or seen it pop up on your Netflix, here's just a little bit of that. What? I saw a beach bucket list. A long time ago, Lee and I put together a list of all the crazy things we wanted to do together before going to college. You get arrested for that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, we actually could. So The Kissing Booth, if you had to describe the first two movies leading up to this, what would you say about them? They're very cheesy, right? very cheesy. I like honestly had to even remember why it's called The Kissing Booth. Yes, because this one did not set the stage whatsoever. I was confused. You kind of have to watch the first two. You really do. I think these movies were made to binge them. Like basically they put them out so fast that you basically have to watch one, two, and then now three all at the same time for it to kind of fit. Yeah, I had forgotten what had happened since the last one. So this one does not stand alone in any way. They basically jump right into it after the second one ended. You jump into this one. They don't reestablish any of the characters, any of their relationships. You're just like, here, here's this next movie. Here we go. And it's just as cheesy. Would you say in any way better? No, in fact, I don't. (laughs) So do do you think they get worse from one to two to three? Yeah, this one was, I know we talked about it on last week's episode, talking about movie links. This one was like right under two hours and it needed to be way shorter. Like we've, we've established a rule. We're trying to be really good about putting our phones in the other room. We Mm -hmm. watch a movie because I'm worse at it, but I'll just start aimlessly scrolling and I don't know why, but this one, I was like, I gotta go get my phone. Like I can't make it through this if I'm not like half watching it. It was too long. So what do you think? a movie in this genre that people like because they do really well they made three of them and people like these movies what do you think it is about this genre that people gravitate towards it's like comfort food in a movie it's like a hallmark or lifetime christmas movie that's a great way to put it it just it's not it doesn't really require brain power you kind of get to just zone out watch a mindless movie you like movies where you have to think i don't if i'm watching a movie i don't want to have to think I'm watching it for entertainment value. I've thought all day. I am thought out by the time I watch a movie. I think that's a pretty good way to put it. I think also with me, I like to forget about the real world for a little bit and escape into a world I've never really seen before. But I also like to think and take something away from a movie. But I find it hard to get into movies where it it's the complete opposite. I think the only franchise I can do that with are the Fast and the Furious movies. Yeah. Like those movies, I get it. You want to watch something big and dumb and completely turn your brain off. But when it comes to like Hallmark movies and Christmas movies that you like. Love them. It pains me to watch those. And I'll watch them because you want to watch them and because you love them. I've only ever made you watch like two. I, I gave know. up on that. And that's a lot for me. <laughs> it's hard for me to watch those kind of movies. Okay. How many movies have I gone to see with you? Tons of movies. And they are much longer than an hour, 25 minute this Hallmark movie. This is true. Movie. So I will watch those with you. I won't complain about them, but just know that it's hard for me to watch those kind of movies. I mean, it, they pain me too. There's certain ones I can't watch. Like sometimes I'll read the description. I'm like, this is too dumb even for me. So if somebody hasn't seen one and two, would you recommend they start it if they're into like Hallmark movies, into that genre? If you have nothing else to do with your life, it's like a rainy Saturday and you just want to spend like six hours on the couch with some takeout. Sure. 
Sure. Do I suggest you run over to Netflix <laughs> and hit play right at this moment? Absolutely not. If you had to rank the Kissing Booth three, what would you give it? Two and a half out of five motorcycles. Two and a half? I would give it one and a half out of five summer bucket lists. Also, just the acting's not great. It is not great whatsoever. It's almost soap opera-like acting. Yeah. Teen drama-ish all put together. So very cheesy, very... And I feel like this isn't a... It's not a spoiler because if you've watched one and two, but just... Well, I won't say which character, but one of the male characters is just super problematic and that he's so dramatic. He's not mature enough to be in a relationship. Every time they have an argument, he's like, okay, we're done. <laughs> the movie is very unrealistic and an example of ways not to handle situations and overall doesn't promote very great values. Can you imagine like if we were done every time we like had a small argument? Yeah, it's very dramatic. It would be insane to do like i don't think we would have lasted more than like a month and it's also weird that this is in more so geared towards a younger audience but yet the things they do in one way or another are illegal they are always they're, drinking they're always drinking they are always underage drinking somehow they are served everywhere they go there are no ids and they, they just, don't look 21 and for reference they just graduated high school in this movie about to go to college but yet, every party, there's tons of booze. They go to bars. They do all yeah, these things. Yeah, and it's things. not just, like, going out to dinner with their parents and, like, their parents giving them a glass of wine. It's like they go to a bar and the bartender's like, what do you want? And I'm just like, okay. In what world is this movie existing? Meanwhile, I'm 27 and get carted on the regular everywhere we go here. Yeah. But, yeah, I would say don't watch them. Just don't. No. Yeah, we watched them last year like when no one had really been able to like safely film new content yet. Mm -hmm. So we were just kind of going through the Rolodex of what haven't we seen. And that was it. And then this one came out. and hmm. We felt like closing the trilogy. I'm glad we have watched them and have them under our belts so we can tell people you don't need to spend your time on them. Yep. That's what we think about the Kissing Booth trilogy. Let's get into some movie news now. The biggest thing in Marvel news is that Anthony Mackie will officially return for Captain America 4, basically coming off the Disney Plus series of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I liked all right. It wasn't my favorite of the Marvel shows, but I kind of felt like that whole series should have been a movie. It was almost kind of the in-between going from that phase of Marvel into the new Marvel phase, and it was kind of the introduction of Anthony Mackie taking over for Chris Evans as Captain America. So I liked it in that regard, but I think overall the story would have made for a much better movie. But I am excited to see him do Captain America 4. There's no director attached yet to this movie, and he's the only one signed on to this film so far. So curious to see how they take the story of Captain America, kind of going into this new phase. I'm not the most excited about I've admitted to, aside from the Spider-Man movie that's coming out later this year. I'm waiting to see how all these new Marvel movies play out, but I do like him as Captain America, so I will be checking that one out. Also in movie news, Fast and Furious 10 officially has a release date. I know everybody's been waiting for this, saying that sarcastically. And I kind of feel like I'm out of the Fast and the Furious movies after the last one. I think I got what I wanted out of that one, but I don't really need that experience again for a while. But Universal did announce that April 7th, 2023, Fast and the Furious 10 comes out. And I just don't know how they're going to top the last one. They did all these crazy things, went to such extreme lengths. Like, I really think that I've had 
what I needed to out of that series. I don't know many series that get to 10 movies in the franchise and still kind of go as strong as they do, but they're still one of the highest grossing franchises of all time, so you gotta give it up to them. Also in movie news, Kevin Hart and Mark Wahlberg will star in a new Netflix comedy called Me Time, and I think those are two really great actors that have a bigger range than you would really expect. Kevin Hart in fatherhood really kind of showed me that, hey, he can go a little bit further. And I know he's not exactly on the same level as Mark Wahlberg of how long he's been acting. But Mark Wahlberg also has that tendency to also dabble into comedic stuff. So they're almost opposites in a way. Mark Wahlberg's known for a little bit more of the action serious roles. But when he does comedy, I really like Mark Wahlberg in that space. So I think them together will be an interesting pairing. The movie is about Kevin Hart's character, who is a stay-at-home dad. And he reconnects with his former best friend, played by Mark Wahlberg, for a wild weekend. So that sounds fun to me. And finally, in movie news, Scarlett Johansson has joined the cast of this new Wes Anderson movie that has what I've seen so far as the most stacked A-list cast in a very long time. Already signed on to the movie is Adrian Brody, Jason Schwartzman, Bill Murray, Margot Robbie, and Tom Hanks so far. There's no word on the title. And I do like a good Wes Anderson movie. I'm more so into his aesthetic than I am the overall like entertainment value. Like I love the look of a Wes Anderson movie and he has a very distinct style. I don't think he's one of my favorite directors, but when you take all of these actors and put them into a Wes Anderson movie, I'm not usually rushing to see or have to see these Wes Anderson movies when they do come out, but I think this one is going to be at the top of my list. That cast sounds amazing to me. So that'll do it for movie news, but every single episode, I give a listener shout out to one of you guys listening who sends me a tweet, a DM, or an email, moviemikeD at gmail.com. And for this week, I'm going over to my Twitter and this one came to me from at Bulldog12011, and his name is Jamie. And Jamie writes, love the pod. I am a trucker and listen to your podcast and the big show, referring to the Bobby Bone Show. And he asks, have you ever watched Blood In and Blood Out? It's one of my favorite movies, and I have. I actually watched that movie as a kid, and it's probably a movie you shouldn't watch as a kid, but all my cousins were super into that movie, so I was exposed to that at a very early age. And shout out to Jamie for being a trucker. My dad is also a truck driver, has been driving a big rig for over 25, maybe almost 30 years now. So I know how that life is, and I feel like it's a very underappreciated profession. I remember as a kid going on trips with my dad. He was always listening to the radio. It was long before podcasts. It's very isolating at times, so I appreciate you listening to the podcast. Hopefully, I can keep you company for just a small portion of your haul. So thanks, Jamie. And thanks to you for listening. Thanks for being subscribed. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Let me know what you thought about it. Hopefully you learned something you didn't know about Pixar movies. And if you have a friend who you think would be into that interview, into Pixar movies, tag them in your Instagram story and tag me too. Just take a screenshot of your iHeartRadio app on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're listening, or just take a picture of the radio in your car and tag me in that. I'll repost some people. Telling a friend really helps this podcast grow too. So would appreciate that. And until next time, later. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, 
and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.